Well, uh, Make a Difference uh, is a, a really exciting key moment in the life of a live church. I feel genuinely uh, privileged and honored to be on a journey with us all together, knowing that uh, the work of our church community, not only the transformation that happens in our hearts here doesn't just stay within these walls, but uh, spills out into our city, uh, into our nation, and into the nations. What incredible time of worship when we were uh, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Uh, he's so wonderful, isn't he? His character is kindness and faithfulness and generosity. And I just had this uh, picture as I was worshiping uh, our almighty God of the people throughout the generations, uh, throughout the ages, uh, coming particularly in this county of Lincolnshire, which is so dependent on agriculture and the farming seasons uh, of uh, the people bringing uh, their uh, produce, uh, their gratitude, because it's God who's faithful and he does uh, what he needs to do uh, in our lives. He transforms us from the inside out and brings uh, incredible transformation to the lives of the people around us. So uh, this morning we're going to speak from uh, the miracle of multiplication uh, where Jesus feeds the multitudes. And uh, my prayer is that you will be really inspired by what God can do first and foremost in you uh, as you uh, bring what you've got to him, as you trust in his faithfulness, as like the countless generations in our county over uh, decades and generations have brought their produce, their gifts, the things that God has given in their hand, God has multiplied it uh, and made uh, our county an agricultural uh, bread basket for the nation. I think that's a wonderful prophetic picture. So uh, we're going to be looking through international uh, our work that we're partnering with in Ethiopia. Next week we'll hear loads more about that. We'll also be mentioning our partnership, our national partners Battelle, who uh, the um, fresh produce is going to go to today and we'll be talking about what we're doing in the city as a church on the move. Uh, reaching the people on the uh, edges the poor and the marginalised in our city, uh, bringing the transformation good news of Jesus to their lives. And Sai's going to kick us off. We've got the privilege of working really closely with Sai for the last 12 years. He's an incredibly inspirational person, a strategic thinker and visionary, and he brings loads of treasure to our city as he activates his faith uh, and thinking, what can we do as a church to meet the needs of our city? So uh, let's hear from Sai first, and then I'll pop back up. Thank you, Joy. Great. Well, we're going to read uh, from the Bible first. We're going to start with this story that we've uh, sh uh, Stuart shared with us on the video. So if you want to read along, it is John chapter 6, verse 1 to 14. Okay, here we go. Jesus crossed to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he'd performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover was near. When Jesus looked up and saw this great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Philip, where do we, where do we buy all the bread for these people to eat? He asked us only to test him, for he already, knew he had, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. 
Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And the people saw the sign Jesus performed. They began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Okay, well, I, I wonder about that little boy. I think about him with his uh, little packed lunch, and I wonder at what point he looked down when he heard the rumblings of there's no food for everyone to eat. He looked down at his little lunch, and he looked around at the crowd, and he thought, yeah, this is, this is about enough. This will do it. This is, uh, yeah, I think we could do this. Uh, I, I wonder at what point he thought this is, this is the solution to the problem. If, uh, if it was me in that situation and I felt like being a generous person, I might look at my five loaves and two fish and look around at the, the people around me and think, well, I'll tell you what, there you go, you can have, have this, and, but I'll keep a bit for myself. Uh, and, and then I'd be happy with myself because I've been a generous person. Uh, I wonder if he thought, oh, if I start sharing this out, there'll be nothing left for me and then maybe I'll be hungry. Uh, but there was something about him, wasn't it, that thought, actually, uh, maybe what I've got could be the solution to this whole crowd problem. I also wonder about the whole crowd. I wonder why they were there, why they had gathered like that. I doubt uh, it was a planned rally. I can't imagine there were posters around Capernaum saying, come to the side of Galilee on Saturday, Jesus is going to be there performing miracles. So, I, you know, if they'd had that kind of notice, they probably would have been prepared, wouldn't they? They would have all thought, we're going out for a day trip on Saturday, we're going to have a picnic with Jesus, and they would have packed themselves some food. But I imagine it was a bit sort of an off-the-cuff moment, a bit of a spontaneous thing. People were hearing rumours about miracles and amazing things happening, and they just were following Jesus to see what was going to happen and to hear what he had to say. And the, the crowd probably got bigger and bigger until you had this enormous crowd spontaneously gathered to listen to what Jesus had to say and hadn't really planned ahead and thought about what we're going to do for food. And perhaps... They were all curious what's going to happen. And perhaps it was this boy as well was curious. Had he heard something? Had someone told him about something amazing that had happened? And he wanted to go and see and hear it for himself. Perhaps he had his faith stirred up from all these stories that Jesus was able to perform miracles. And maybe that was what spurred him on when he looked at his five loaves and two fish and thought, well, if I put these into the hands of a miracle maker then perhaps something incredible could happen and I could be a part of that miracle. And as we've read in that story, Jesus takes that small little offering that that boy had and he performs one of the most incredible miracles that's report, um, recorded in the Bible. So it's Harvest Festival this morning and we've got quite a good array of things down here at the front. Uh, so well done everybody who remembered to bring something in. When I think about Harvest Festival, I... I often think of that awkward moment at home where your kids say to you, as you've, you've got them dressed, you've got their school shoes on and everything's ready and, and you've just got enough time to get them to school, and at that point they say to you, oh, it's Harvest Festival today. And you think, 
oh, it's Harvest Festival today and you haven't really thought about it. So you, you go to your kitchen and, and you realise it's the day of your big food shop. So you've got nothing left and you're rummaging around and you put into your hands, as did happen, a little tin of coconut milk and some chickpeas. And, and they hold these and they look back at you and think, what, what am I supposed to do with this? What was anyone supposed to do with this? And you send them on their way to the Harvest Festival. My mum was way more organised. I'm pretty sure she actually had a Harvest Festival cupboard. And she'd already bought everything back in 19 dickety-doo and she was ready for it. And I would say, Mum, it's Harvest Festival. And she'd say, I know. I've known for a long time. I've been ready for this day. But not in our house. It's a scramble to see what we can find that's not already been opened and half-eaten. I don't know whether you've had that experience too, if you have kids or, or whatever, but yes. And what are we supposed to do with this? I'm not sure how many of you here have been involved in a food bank collection day. There's one coming up um, quite soon, our Christmas food bank collection in the end of November. And you see all these people bringing these random items that they've collected from around the store. And on their own, it's not going to do much. It's not going to do much a little tin of whatever it might be. It's not on its own going to achieve much, particularly when we start thinking about the scale of the problem of food poverty in the city. But when you do those food bank collections and you see the table, as we've seen this morning, uh, the stuff um, creating this big display of, of lots of things, and, and at the end of the day, cages of food get loaded into the back of the, of the uh, restore van. And then you start to see a miracle has taken place here. Everybody has brought their little offering, and yet here we are with an incredible, uh, a lot of food that can be brought together. And it's all about having that mindset, isn't it? It's a mindset thing where we actually say, despite the size of the problem, we all have something to contribute. We all have something, even if it's little, we all have something that we can do. Even if our contribution is small in the size of the comparison of the need, or even if my contribution is small in comparison to what other people are able to offer. Twice in the last few months there have been uh, some difficult situations where young couples who are friends of many of us here have faced unimaginable difficult circumstances that have felt quite heartbreaking when we first learned, Kate and I, about some of these situations and your heart breaks, you also feel a bit powerless to help. What could we do that could even make a difference? You, you feel like you want to do something but in the scale of the problem, what have we got that we can bring and what difference can we make? What could we possibly offer that could make any kind of contribution here? I imagine a lot of us have felt like that before when we've had friends going through difficult things and you wonder, how on earth can I make a difference here and help? Yet, quick-thinking good people uh, in these situations set up crowdfunding pages and said, look, I know we all feel this way, there's nothing much that we can do, but if we all get together and we all do our little bit and help, perhaps we can really make a difference and help in this situation. And people were able to give, and at the end of that, very generous gifts were able to be given to these couples who really, which really made a difference in their time of need. See, together we were able to respond in the most amazing way. And that's really what the heart of harvest is. And that's really what the heart of make a difference is. The key is not to dismiss our part and to think it's only small or it's worthless compared to what others might be able to bring. And if we each have that mindset of that young boy that says, well, actually, if I put this little gift into the hands of a miracle maker, then perhaps something amazing can really happen. To make a difference, we've got the next couple of weeks, we are going to be hearing some incredible stories, uh, make a difference stories, which 
we're going to hear about things that are huge problems and we're going to be possibly overwhelmed by the scale and the scope of the difficulties that people are facing and problems uh, in the world and even here in Lincoln. But the key is not to be daunted by that scale of that problem. Because if we start to dismiss our own offering, that's where we are denying the miracle from taking place. We actually all have an opportunity to be, to be part of a miracle if we have that mindset that no matter how small my little offering, my little tin of coconut milk or whatever it might be, if I give it into the hands of a miracle maker, he can do some amazing things. So we're going to hear some stories. We're going to hear some stories uh, from Food Bank, and we're going to hear some stories over the next few weeks from Betel and Ethiopia as well. And I want to really encourage you as you hear these stories to think, yes, I could be part of a miracle here that can see some real transformation. Let's not be daunted by the size of the problem, but let's be encouraged that what we can do can help contribute to that miracle. Okay, Joy. So Jesus uh, is uh, in this big grassy plain uh, with thousands of people. So no, not just uh, 5,000, but uh, men and women and children, thousands of people. And they're following him everywhere he goes because he's healing their bodies. Uh, they're people who are in uh, desperate need as a whole nation for a Messiah to come and rescue them from oppression. So they're feeling oppressed by the Romans and uh, they're seeing this guy who's bringing light and transformation to people's lives. And so they're tracking him everywhere he goes. And uh, he's uh, in this situation with uh, all of these people knowing that there's a huge need, and not just physical need uh, or spiritual need, but uh, other needs that they're presenting as well. And uh, like Sai said, it's easy to get overwhelmed by those needs. I just want to remind you of the God that we serve, uh, the Jesus that we follow. Isn't a Jesus who just is interested in our spiritual souls, but is interested in our whole being. In fact, it's a a kind of fake way of viewing things to say the world can be divided into spiritual things here and physical and material things here. That's not how the people uh, who wrote the Bible and the people who first followed Jesus actually thought. Uh, they believed in a holistic life, that uh, he created the heavens and the earth, he made matter and matter matters. Uh, material things matter to God. And uh, everything to God is spiritual. Our act of worship, our work tomorrow is spiritual. Our singing to God, our giving is spiritual. Uh, it is our worship to him. And so when Jesus sees these spiritual people uh, on the side of the, uh, in the in the meadows, he's looking and he's saying, I know they're spiritual and they need a savior and I'm their savior. Uh, but I also need to feed them, not just the uh, supernatural spiritual nourishment, but I need to feed them uh, physical bread as well. I want to remind you at a live church, I've, um, could we, Chris, do you reckon you could? You see that? Uh, I want to remind you about how we view poverty. So Make a Difference is about bringing transformation to the world around us. It's our big opportunity to sew together, to all bring a tin and see a huge, incredible hamper feed the world. And uh, Make a Difference is our opportunity to do that as a church. And I just want to remind you, as Jesus sees all uh, needs, uh, how we act out as a local church community. So if you can see this... This is me. You might want to write in your uh, 
notebook or uh, write this down. This is really important. I think this is uh, an important way of us viewing the world and viewing our relationships. So uh, you could draw yourself with sort of other defining features. I've done crazy curly hair, if you can see that. And um, so in the beginning, when God created humanity, he made me and you, and he looked back and he was like, wow, they're good. They're really good. Uh, and he made us to be in relationship uh, with four really key, four key areas. And so I just want to show you and remind you what they are. So he made us to be in relationship with him, himself, with spiritual people, and we were made to walk a journey with the God of creation who loves us and invites us into collaboration and partnership with him. He also made us to be in relationship. He made me to be in relationship with myself. So, me. He made you to be in relationship with yourself. He created us to have self-esteem, to understand who we are uh, made to look like. We're made to uh, demonstrate and reflect the image of God to the world. And that is a pretty big deal. He made us to be in relationship with ourselves. He also made me to be in relationship with you. And I'm really grateful for that. He gave us community and people. Uh, he said uh, that it's not good for man to be alone, for people to be alone, and so he put us amongst family. Uh, he demonstrates family himself, and, uh, and he puts us with other people that we can do relationship and life with. And he also made us to be in relationship with, if I say creation, is probably the best way of viewing that, but I would also say that that looks like um, finance, it looks like material things, it looks like uh, the th- the material world that we come up against uh, every day. It looks like our work. He made us to be productive and purposeful with what we did, what we do. And he put us in that garden to tend, to cultivate, to make what he said was really good but was never finished even better as we reflect his image to the world. But then there was uh, the fall and where humanity, we go our own way. And because of that fall and that brokenness, we live in a broken world and all of these relationships are broken. All four are broken uh, as a result of the fall. And what happens when these relationships are broken is we begin to live in brokenness and poverty. And so that could work out. Uh, Our relationship with uh, the world, with creation, with our finances, could look like unemployment. It could look like a lack of purpose. It could look like us thinking that money's more than it is and just being a workaholic or uh, grasping for uh, the things uh, that aren't really what God created us to grasp for. If our relationship with ourselves is broken, that could look like low self-esteem. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have that thing of, I'm not really good enough or I feel... um, Uh, insecure, uh, but that's not how God created us to be, but because of the fall, we feel like that. Uh, It also means that our relationship with one another is broken, our relationship with the community, our relationship uh, with uh, the people around us, and it's not always, do you ever have that thing? Uh, Relationships sometimes feel hard work, and we misunderstand each other, and it's difficult. And our relationship with God is also broken. And if we say that poverty is just a lack of stuff, a lack of food in the cupboard, a lack of things that we need, then we misunderstand the holistic God that we follow, the God that wants to bring wholeness to everything in our uh, world. If we uh, think that it's just about 
uh, brokenness between our relationship with other, others, with us and Jesus, or us and God, uh, then we also misunderstand the incredible God that calls us to go in a journey and sees every bit of our life that He wants to restore. And so, as part of our life, uh, alive, and as part of our make a difference giving, we always want to give to projects or to local churches primarily that understand this, that understand that we've been created as whole people and God wants to restore all four of our relationships and we can't restore one at the expense of the other. We need to go on a journey to restore all of them, to see God's kingdom fully come in people's lives and to bring transformation. And so I love uh, the fact that our live church in Lincoln uh, partners with Acts Trust. It's uh, our mobilized arm working with people living in material poverty, but also working working to help people uh, restore their own relationships uh, in these ways. And I'd love you to welcome Amy, who's going to come and talk to us about Food Bank and how Food Bank is bringing transformation to people's lives. Why don't you give Amy? And has Amy got a microphone? That would be amazing. Great. Welcome, Amy. Hello. Hi. How would you draw yourself? A lot shorter. Okay. Great. Tell us that you coordinate Food Bank and you've been doing it for a few years, haven't you? It's part of Axe Trust and part of our giving goes to some of the coordination of that. Can you tell us about uh, why Food Bank exists? What's the issue in Lincoln in terms of food poverty? Um, there's a massive food poverty issue in Lincoln. Um, there are areas in Lincoln that are in the top 1% of deprivation for the whole of the UK, um, which is unbelievable. Um, one of the other statistics that really shocked me was one in four children in Lincoln live on or below the poverty line. Yeah. Um, and so there there are, there's a lot of people on the streets, I think we can see that a lot for ourselves, but the poverty in Lincoln's really hidden. Um, and it's a lot of people who, it's just getting worse to be honest. Um, I went on maternity last year, it was great. Um, but I love my job, so it's great to be back as well. <laughs> and the, the year before I went on maternity leave, um, just to give you an idea of kind of the scope of, of, of what we're dealing with really. The year before in 2017, um, we were giving out 1.5 tonnes of food every month. All of that food is donated, um, and it, that's, that's a lot. But um, since coming back, on our average month now, it's about 3.7 tonnes worth of food. Wow. Um, so it's just escalated loads, and, and there's a real need for, for Food Bank in Lincoln. So tell us like, what, how Food Bank works. What how you address that need in Lincoln. Okay, so um, people can go to a referral agency. We've got about 200 referral agencies across wow. the city. Um, they can be schools, they can be council services, NHS teams. Anyone can really be um, a referral agency. Um, and those people are the ones that kind of know them that are connected with those people. So they can write the voucher and they'll come to one of our four distribution centres um, across the city. They're fantastic. And um, we give out the food to them then. But what we do try and do as well is we use the restore triage system so we can then hopefully connect them in with a cap or like a job club or even just kind of um, children's groups or the shed or butterflies getting involved with any of the kind of charities or, or kind of work around Lincoln because we realize that someone's coming for food um, and we want to give that but obviously there's 
probably a bigger issue there as well. Yeah, I love how um, Food Bank's working this out, that it's not just about, we can't just give a parcel to someone, can we, and expect that it to be okay? Yeah. But um, as uh, the people who love our city, we want to uh, help other people go on the journey to fix some of those other things. And the triage system works really well to do that. Yeah, doesn't it? Can you just tell us like, just really quickly what happens when someone has a triage? What is the triage? So there's kind of a questionnaire about lots of different kind of aspects, lifestyle, finance, your home, that sort of thing. And then at the end, it creates a support plan. It's really clever. It's really good. And, um, and then it comes up with all the different um, kind of bits that might have been flagged up. You might need furniture. Do you, and then, then we can kind of refer people on to the furniture project or um, baby's baskets, which is another fantastic kind of project right. within Lincoln. So that's, that's how that works. Fab. Tell us about some of the uh, brilliant successes and also the challenges. <laughs> well, I'd say a big challenge at the moment is food. Um, right. We've had a massive increase. So every month I'm like, oh, we need some more food. And like I say, it's all um, donated as well. So oh. we're, we're relying on, on people giving and, and remembering to give. And, and Lincoln's so supportive and, and fantastic. And we collect from Alive every single week. So, But that, that's a big challenge. Um, we've had a fantastic success, though. Um, we've had a fundraiser working with us for the last six months. And she's um, secured for, for Food Bank, um, but can also be used for Axe, a brand new uh, van, Ooh. which we've needed for so long and it's fantastic it's been given to us from links van hire um and it's brand new and they were so kind they were like we want your volunteers to be comfortable so they've given them really like nice seats air conditioning a radio that works i mean <laughs> you take it all for granted but <laughs> it's amazing so that's just gonna it's bigger and like i say it can be used for all the projects so it means that um the the kind of the potential and the scope is is we can grow and that's, that's fantastic really cool. i love one of the values of food bank is um community hunger is a community problem and we want to empower the community to be part of the solution so it's not just the church doing it but we're kind of leading the way and then inviting other people to join us in join in join in with us uh, in in that journey and so the van guys who aren't part of our church but see what we're doing and want to kind of get involved that's brilliant and really we really want to know about the stories of uh, how it's impacted a life so can you tell us one of I normally hate this question okay because <laughs> it's really hard to get a story from food bank because they will come and they will speak to the centers and then they'll go and obviously we don't chase them up and go how was it for you um, because people don't want to be there um, but for the first time Ever, I think I do have an actual story. Um, well, there are loads of them, but for the, I had a lady who emailed me, and I get this a few times a week. How do I get a food voucher? So I explained to her, and she explained her situation. It's she, she's got a husband and two young children, and. Um, her husband works for himself, he's self-employed and he's been on long-term sick and that she just said the last few months has, has been horrendous because they haven't had that income coming in. Um, so I directed her to the food bank centre and she went and for the first time ever she, I got a reply and Great. a response after she'd been there and she said I could share it so Great. I'm going to share it to you. I haven't read this before and not cried so I warn you now if there's some dramatic pauses it's because I'm about to cry. Um, this is what the lady said. Thank you so much for helping us as a family at this time. I've just been down to the Methodist Church on Skellingthorpe Road, and wow, what an amazing team. They weren't invasive or judgmental at all. I've come home with a happy young son, and my cupboards have never looked so full. I can't thank you and your team enough. It has made this weekend a lot more manageable, and for once in a very long time, I haven't had to say no to my children, which takes the pressure off me more than words can describe. 
It's been all for the last few months getting by, and I'm so thankful you cannot believe how grateful we are to receive such essential items. It means so much more than just food. It's a restful few nights sleep, mental stability, and just generally being able to not worry or dread mealtimes. Good. I think Food Bank deserves a round of applause for that. It's no good. Yeah. I think for people who get food in their cupboards every week, uh, we maybe take for granted what the, it feels like and the shame and the brokenness and the feelings uh, of, well, yeah, shame of having to go to a food bank and ask for some food. And so hearing how it has really helped a family is incredible. Uh, can you tell us a little bit? about the future plans of, because sometimes we feel frustrated, don't we? Mm. Giving a food parcel out, like you said, we only hear now and again how it's really uh, helped. Um, what are our plans for the future? Well, you might have heard us mention before our store of stories, um, which we're still working on. It's still really exciting. Um, so what this is, is I think we can all agree that we, everyone wishes Food Bank didn't have to exist. It's, and, it, and it's not very nice. And um, we make, you know, we've got a wonderful team who are so um, like non-judgmental and not invasive, but people still feel so rubbish about having to use Food Bank. Um, so we kind of um, come up with this model, which we're calling our store of stories which is like a supermarket style shop um, where but with a cooperative model so people can pay in like five pounds but get 20 pounds worth of shopping um, but with that as well they can volunteer there so they've got the volunteer experience building up skills um, but then also um, get involved with some of our other things like job club CV writing and our other courses as well. And um, we're really excited about this because um, if we feel like it's much more dignifying, it's empowering, people are paying in, they're giving back and they're getting skills as well. Um, so what the, the dream is that this kind of helps to break that cycle of poverty and uh, we're going to move on. So 2020 vision. Uh, so hopefully next year <laughs> we'll be able to say, come on, it's happened. Yeah, we would love you to stand uh, with the Axe team and pray for that as we push through uh, with some of the things that we really believe God has spoken to us. Finally, uh, a lot of this happens because of Make a Difference Giving. Can you just say why that's important uh, to Food Bank? I mean, it's so important. Food Bank is a massive project. Um, someone was kind of like, if you were a CEO of a company that had um, three warehouse teams, uh, four distribution centre teams, uh, 60 volunteers, 3.7 tonnes of food going in and out, um, you probably wouldn't be working three days a week. Um, but that's what we do it in. But what, what we need, what, what is so important, it's a, it's a massive project. We feed thousands and thousands of people every year, but you need that person to co coordinate all of that. And I'm not saying... <laughs> It's, it's me. It has to be. It, it is me, but it has to be someone, and we need that someone to do, to do that. And without make a difference, we wouldn't be able to do that because those funds are so essential for, for that role. Um, and you know, like the family that I mentioned, that's just one family out of thousands that we help. So I mean, it's, it sounds really cheesy. I'm going to say it really does make a difference, but it does. It does, and, and and we need it. So thank you for every single person that gives, and the, and, and just like please keep giving because it, it really does help. That's amazing. Thank you, Amy. Let's give Amy a uh, big thank you. Thank you for all your hard work. And. Uh, and like Amy's just referred to, the shame, uh, the feeling, like she said, you feel rubbish using the food bank. We don't want to just keep people in that situation. And we know that by just giving people a parcel of food, it's not going to change it. In fact, uh, 
even though the scale of the need is huge and it's, we know it's not just spiritual uh, or it's not just need for a saviour, uh, but it, it is uh, wider than that and God is interested in all of those things. Really, we've seen time and time again that unless we fix all of these relationships and the thing that really fixes them, you know and I know because we're sitting uh, in our journey knowing the story of how Jesus has knitted us back together, is still knitting us back together. We're not fixed completely. In fact, we're still broken people in a broken world, but we know that Jesus is our rescuer. He is the only one that can bring the solution to the problems that we face and the problems that our city, our nation, and the world faces. And so part of what we're doing and part of what uh, Jesus knew that he was doing when he walked the earth and when he fed the 5,000 was to bring whole transformation to people's lives. And that only happens really through a relationship with Jesus. And so our desire is that wherever we go, we uh, mobilize people to and empower people to go on a journey to meet Jesus Christ, the number one transformer and the eliminator of poverty in all its forms. And so next week we'll be hearing about Batel who really do show that in so many incredible ways, the way they demonstrate uh, their life restored through relationship with Jesus. And we've had countless people like to celebrate Joe Jackson, who's part of our church community, who came through Food Bank and Cap, but now uh, uh, she has a place with Jesus uh, because of her experience in the transformation work of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is our rescuer and he's the one uh, that brings solution to our problems. So why don't you come up and just uh, wrap it up for us with our final point. Great. So I want to read one final story for you. And this is a story of a, a man called Desse, who I met early this year in May. I think we have his picture so we can, we can see Desse. And I just want to read you uh, his story. Desse Shalom. He smiles as he announces himself to us as the famous avocado seller in Yergalem. The rest of the self-help group, la- self-help group laugh as he cheekily boasts about his status in the busy marketplace in town. We're sat together in Doyetta local church, one of the Kalehewet churches, which is the largest evangelical denomination in all of Ethiopia. It's warm outside, but we can feel a burst of rain. It's threatening to muddy the roads. The church hall, brightly painted with geometric shapes, is being replaced by a new larger hall, the frame of which is literally being built around the outside of the existing building. One day, they say, we'll, when we finish, we'll knock down this old one and we'll carry the bricks out the front door. Desse scratches his chin. He's remembering how he earned this title. I used to be a daily laborer, he recalls. I would work all day long for an avocado farmer, climbing his trees and picking his fruit. There are avocado trees growing beside the church amongst the bananas, mangoes, and coffee beans. He sighs. The maximum pay after working all day was 15 burr. That's about 40 pence. (coughs) Dorietta Local Church first set up a self-help group back in 2013. Callihay Wet Church, through its partnership with Tear Fund, has set up thousands of self-help groups around Ethiopia. Each are run by local churches like this one. The idea is simple. Groups of around 20 people meet weekly. 
They share news and they help solve each other's problems whilst saving together. <laughs> Where am I? I can't even find it. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Uh, so members, uh, once they've saved for a while, they can apply to take out a loan from the group savings. And many people use these loans to help start their own businesses. At first, says Desse, we were suspicious and didn't trust the people who were telling us to save. We thought they might take our money from us. Their suspicions stem from their experiences from before of having to rely on local loan sharks from before the self-help group existed who would lend them money and charge extortionate interest even if people needed to borrow it for things like seeing a doctor. <coughs> Desse, along with others, put their trust in the idea of a self-help group. They formed one and they said they started to save just five burr each week. After a couple of years between us, we had saved 500 burr. I put in a proposal to the group to take out a loan, which I used to buy crates of the avocados from the farmer myself. I took them down to the market where I had a go at selling them, and I began to make a profit. I was able to start buying more avocados as well as repaying my loan. Loans repay with a small amount of interest, which stays in the community to help pay for when people are sick or if they have a need. After a while, I was able to start sending avocados on the bus to be sold in other towns, like Hawassa, the main town in the district. Now I have my own avocado farm and also a coffee farm. I have labourers working for me. I've even constructed a house in this area. Desai takes us for a stroll outside the church and the group laugh as he climbs the nearest avocado tree to show us how he used to do it. We look at the partially constructed frame of the future church hall which surrounds the older building. Now, he says, I'm able to contribute to the church here too. The self-help group has not only changed me and my family, but the whole community. In this area, over 400 people have joined the local churches since the self-help groups began. It's an amazing story, and it was amazing to spend time with Desse and the guys and the, the women, men and women from that church in Yagalem. Yet almost every single one of them said the same thing at the start, that they didn't believe that this idea could work. The idea of self-help groups, they didn't believe it could happen. After all, how could just a few pence, literally a few pence, each week change their lives and change their community? But everyone chip, chipping in their little bit made situations like Desai's possible. His life now has completely changed. And the whole community is benefiting. They're, they're building the church. But they've also been building other things like bridges so that people don't have to walk miles to get to town. They're building schools so their children can have a decent education. Next week, and I can't wait for you to see it, we'll see a video of, uh, from Ethiopia of the great work happening with the churches there. And this is a great example of multiplication, as we've been talking about, that those in the community put in their tiny little bit, but the effects are multiplied beyond what any one of those individually could have thought possible. 
See, multiplication is an interesting thing, isn't it? When we think biologically about cells multiplying, every cell does its part, every cell multiplies. There isn't some one mega cell that suddenly multiplies 400 times while the rest sort of sit and watch on. And it's the same with church growth. It's not like Joy and Paul are going to go and bring 400 new people into church while the rest of us just applaud that. Each one of us has our part to play. Multiplication happens by addition. Each one of us adding one, and together we've multiplied. And it's the same with Make a Difference. We bring our little gift, our little one part, and we have that same mindset as that young boy. Even if it's a small bit, I can still bring it because I'm playing my part. And the miracle that takes place is the multiplication that we see. Jesus calls us to bring what we have and to give it to him. He will multiply what we have. And without fear and with a surety that what we each bring together is multiplied to make a difference. Thank you, Joy. So just want to finish uh, by giving you an opportunity to reflect on some of the things that we've said, uh, particularly reflecting on the way that Jesus has transformed your life, uh, the thing that he's done inside of you uh, as you are on a journey to uh, repair uh, these relationships in your life, uh, to bring yourself out of the brokenness because of the fall as you allow the kingdom of heaven to touch your heart and for in, to infiltrate every area of your life, your finances, your community and relationships, your self-belief and who he's made you to be, and your connection with him, Jesus Christ, the ultimate transformer. And as you reflect on that, I just would love to invite you to reflect on any ways in your life that, you know, as we try and help people, Sometimes it makes us feel really good, like we're the rescuers. Here, have a food, back, food parcel. Um, I feel good, I've helped you. But where we're just enabling people to stay in their brokenness and not inviting them on a journey to transformation with the one true living transformer, redeemer, rest, restorer, renewer of all things, Jesus. I'd love you to ask Jesus, what small bit can you bring next week, which could be an incredible amount to bring transformation? You know, the bread and the fish were everything that the little boy had. And the multiplier, the miracle maker, brought huge feast to the people in that moment to bring transformation, to feed them, to provide for them. I want to challenge you to ask him, what can I bring so that we can see our city transformed, more people lifted out of poverty, so that we can see more people from Battelle who are in drug and alcohol addiction, in prostitution, in brokenness, so that they can be rescued by Jesus to be made whole again and how can we mobilize more self-help groups more people like Dese to bring transformation to their communities in Ethiopia it starts with us and what we can give I'd love you to with your uh, family partner uh, with Jesus to pray and ask him what would be sacrificial for me next week as we stand together on this journey to bring transformation to the lives of others 
And finally, I would love to invite you to pray a prayer with me that we pray every week at Alive. And this really is a uh, open door gateway prayer for anyone who's never uh, said yes to Jesus to start this transformation uh, restoration journey so that you can invite him as the only rescuer. No one else can uh, bring you uh, into the fullness and the wholeness that he created you to be in. So we're going to pray out loud. And when we've done that, I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes. And if you prayed it for the first time for you to indicate so that we can uh, gather around you. Not everyone, not everyone's going to gather around you. Just one person uh, who sees who's on our team, who can come and sit with you. And uh, we want to start a journey with you so that you can be part of the church family as well. The prayer will be on the screen. Let's pray it out loud. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. With uh, eyes closed, head bowed. If you prayed that prayer and you want to say, yes, Jesus, I want you to bring me into the wholeness and the fullness of what you created me to be. I'd love you. Just put your hand in the air uh, so someone from our team can sit with you, celebrate and pray with you. Anyone in the balcony? Down here. If you um, are on a journey and you're not sure, we would love to pray with you, a chat to you, uh, talk more about it. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for being part of this journey, for bringing your produce today. Uh, Please do pray. What can you bring next week to make a difference to our city, to our nation and to the world around us?